Are you a business owner paying high merchant service transaction rates? The team at Clark Epos UK Limited are here to help. We pride ourselves on offering quick, simple, affordable card payment solutions. Perfect for everyday businesses just like yours. Call now on 01698 478883 and take advantage of our exceptional prices. Faster payment solutions with Clark Epos UK Limited. A shortage in Scotland of decent homes. Let's unleash it. If we want to put the country right back in its feet, create all those jobs for young people, real apprenticeships. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. With Clark Epos UK Limited. Faster payment solutions for everyday businesses. Good morning and welcome to the Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey. I'm Donald Martin, editor of The Herald and Herald on Sunday, and your host as we talk footfall and alfresco Glasgow and catch up with Giovanna Eusebi. And in the boardroom, Tom and Willie take your calls and provide business insight and advice. You can get in touch by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk and join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. Gentlemen, on Tuesday, Nicola Sturgeon gave us Scotland's route map out of lockdown. How did you view it from a business perspective, Tom? I think from a business perspective, it's it's great to have one, a bit of hope, Donald. I think all of us need a bit of hope, something to look forward to, whether you're in business or not. And therefore, there is a bit of hope here. And two, from a business point of view, businesses need time, I think we've talked about it before, to plan, to bring people off of furlough, to get their supply chain sorted, all the rest of it. But, you know, a, a couple of things about it. One, in my opinion, it, why, why did we not have it three weeks ago? What's what's happened since then? And two, I still don't understand the transparency of how the Scottish Government is making these decisions. Are they listening to business and making decisions on behalf of business? Because if they were, they would be making better decisions, in my opinion. And if it's all to do with the science and it's all to do with the data, then how come when Scotland's big data points of deaths and hospitalisations are better, meaning we've got less people in hospital, less people dying per 100,000 of population, why are we behind England? Those are my questions. So, Willie, was the government listening? It certainly looks like it. And I think uh, on top of the feel-good factor that seems to be here now with the vaccination rollout, I think it's good news on top of good news. Um, some of the people I've spoke to in the last couple of days, you know, I think that um, at least now we've got an idea of where we're going. And obviously the First Minister has hinted that there'll be more announcements. And and I hope that um, the timeline, especially for hospitality, will be shorter than, than we thought. So hopefully the vaccination will bring the, as Tom says, the hospitalizations down. Certainly the deaths are, are coming down, which is great. So I, I would like to see even an improvement in some of the dates, the long stop dates that we've been given into June. Um, I'd like to see them maybe brought forward, especially for the hospitality industry. But it's, I think it's good news. So good news. But in terms of easing restrictions, are we going too slow or is the UK moving too fast, Tom? Well, that that is a big question for me. And um, I think at least Westminster has said, look, here are the four data points which we're looking at. 
And everybody understands if these data points go backwards, therefore the dates they've given will go backwards as well. I think everybody understands that. You know, I don't accept the First Minister's point that, that she couldn't give dates three weeks ago. So we are behind opening up of hospitality um, than England. But as I say, our data points look better than England. So I would like somebody to explain that to me. Really? Yeah, some of it doesn't make sense. You know, we're either going with the science or not. And if we're going with the science, why are we behind? And today, you know, the, in the announcement, it was all about, you know, schools getting back and all that and, and the feel-good factor around that. But I think it's more important, actually, that we get business back. You know, as, you know, we've got to get schools and business back, you know, running in tandem. And as you know, you know, I'm not involved with politics at all. Um, I didn't vote for Brexit, Willie. But the behaviour of the European countries run about the AstraZeneca, Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, has been pure politics. And these are politicians in Europe who are saying, oh, we're, we're trying to be safe for our people. They're actually doing their people an injustice by stopping, saying, oh, no, don't don't have that vaccine. And that actually made, made me quite glad we're out of Europe. I think this stance is going to backfire on some of the European countries, you know, who have done us. I mean, to be fair, Ireland were the first, you know, to, 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 to bring it up. But I think that... Um, this will not last for very long. I've seen some experts on the TV last night from Germany and I've seen some critics on, on the TV last night talking from Austria and from Germany saying that the benefits of the vaccine way outweigh any of the, the downside that there may be. And I've seen some medical experts from the UK this morning telling you that the amount of people that have had blood clots is way below what the, what the normal number would be. So they're not putting any of the blame on the vaccine at all for that. Yeah, the, the data is unequivocal. It's safe and I wish I'd got my letter. I'm a bit younger than you, Willie, so, I mean, have you had your letter yet? It's just a pity you don't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at it for 40 years, Willie. <laughs> I have had my vaccine, yes, deleted. Right, well, I've, yes. I've not even had my letter yet. I Donald, how about you? April Fool's Day, that's when I get mine. Oh, right, jolly good. Very pleased. fitting. Indeed. <laughs> the Herald reported uh, this week on proposals to transform Glasgow city centre with mini parks, European-style plazas, outdoor markets and restaurants and pedestrian-friendly streets under plans inspired by Rotterdam. The aim is to create green space, encourage more people and build a street economy with food vendors, outdoor cafes and cultural events. So the question is, are we making the most of our city centre's potential and is this the right way forward, Willie? Absolutely not. You know, and, and I think coming through, you know, after COVID, there's a chance for us here to reinvigorate our city centres. You know, the cafe culture has crept in over the last 10, 20 years, which is great, you know, really good in the summer, you know, those four days of sunshine, you know. <laughs> but I, I think it's a shame that, um, you know, some of the local licensing laws, especially in Glasgow, where where a lot of the restaurants and cafes have, you know, seats outside and, you know, come 10 o'clock, the, you know, the garden furniture police turn up and tell you you've got to take your seats in. What's so, the garden furniture police, Willie? <laughs> well, you're allowed to keep seats out, I think, till 10 o'clock and not a minute past. And uh, oh. if you if they're still out there, people come along for the council inspectors and say, you know, why are you doing that? And really? you could actually lose your licence. So I think, I you know, if you think back to some of the ideas in you, well, no, Donald, 
James Mortimer, who's invested, you know, fortunes in Glasgow over the last 30, 40 years, created some of the most iconic venues in Glasgow, you know, Victoria's and 29, the Regan, all of these things. James has had an idea for many, many years that we must do something to, to, to really put the city centre on the map. And I think his idea about, you know, a whole glass roof running down Buchanan Street, all that. Brilliant, brilliant idea, Brilliant idea. You know, we need to, you know, we used to be the, you know, the second city of the empire and we're also. The, you know, the second best place I think for, for shopping outside of Oxford Street I think we've lost that now to Birmingham I think it's time to get it back and I think this is what we need to think out the box we need to make going to the city centre you know an experience and unfortunately over the last couple of years you know, I've had a few people saying to me they think the city's a bit dirtier and you know you know, we're not going in and I also think that the situation there seems to be more and more people on the street homeless people so we need to do what we can do you know during Giuliano done a fantastic job in New York, you know, about 15, 20 years ago. And I think we should really look to to to, to bring the whole city centre up a level to attract people to come back in. So would yeah. you cover Buchanan Street? I think, I mean, James told me about that idea, goodness, way back, Willie. And I thought it was a fantastic idea. I think this, this goes to the heart of it. We are living in a, a world where there's constant change. And therefore, the change should be led by entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial thinkers, a, a bit like James, to be honest. And they'll come up with ideas, but then they need to work in tandem with the local authority. You know, there has been this adversarial relationship, whereas people want to change things and the, the city council will say, well, no, 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 we can't do that. But I think if we get together, we collaborate, we make better decisions and we make better decisions for our city and for our cities throughout Scotland. So I'm really all for it, but collaboration is the word. What an opportunity with COP26 to showcase your city, right? And so if that is not something that spurs you on to try something different, we want all of these people who are coming from all over the world to go back to their homelands and say, you must go and see this place. It's a magnificent city. Well, we've got to have a warm welcome for COP26. The world is coming to Glasgow and when they leave, they need to be saying, I'm coming back, I'm bringing my family on holiday and spread the word. Yep. Well, hopefully Glasgow can come up with some plans to transform the city centre. And yes, I do remember chatting to James. I mean, it's probably about 15 years ago, that plan. Could be, And yeah. you know, I think when you look at other cities... There are opportunities here for us, so fingers crossed. But I come back to US-Great Britain trade deal. The news are saying that President Biden's going a wee bit lukewarm on it. It's on the back burner. Should we be concerned, Tom? Well, obviously we should be concerned because um, from a Scottish point of view, whiskey um, exports to North America, I think it's still our biggest market. And um, during Donald Trump's time, he put tariffs on it which are now taken off which is great but yeah of course America should be our biggest export opportunity um, after Europe actually but um, but of course we want good relations with America um, I don't know who's who hears these things he's going lukewarm etc I actually commented last night that um, we don't hear so much about America now because Donald Trump was in the news every day and Joe Biden isn't 
but America's still still getting on with it. Will he? Well, I think it was good that he moved straight away to take the tariffs off, and I'm sure the whiskey industry was delighted by that. And I and I think we'll get more common sense. I would just like someone to explain to me what the actual potential is for you know for us selling into the states. You know, what do we have in in the UK, especially what do we have in Scotland? I mean, you can only buy so much shortbread and whiskey and and salmon. Um, and so I would I'd like to know what the 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 art of the possible is for us to be supplying into the states as Tom says it's just a shame that we severed ties with our biggest trading partner to, to worry about you know having to do deals now with Australia and America and Japan the good thing for me is there's probably going to be a lot of refrigerated vehicles required you know to supply <laughs> to some of these places <laughs> so Tom are we starting to see the true cost and impact of Brexit well as I said earlier I, I didn't vote for Brexit but the disgraceful behaviour of the European leaders around about the vaccine it actually made me glad we're out of that. But the true cost of Brexit will, will come over a number of years, Donald. And there is a cost. There definitely is a cost. And what I said long before the vote was taken is, show me the benefits, show me the costs, and we'll make a decision. And we never got to that. But I'm really glad there's 350 million going back into the NHS every week. Ouch. <laughs> Willie? Brexit? Uh, well, obviously, mostly most Scots, we didn't vote for Brexit. And I, I think at the end of the day, um, if it wasn't for COVID, we'd be sitting here today counting the cost of Brexit. But like Tom, I, I think that over the next two years, we'll see the downside of, of not having that magnificent partner. So for me, I hope that there is a plan. I haven't heard it yet, and I want to see what the potential is of all these so-called trading deals that we're doing with the rest of the world. So what should we do to boost our international trade, Tom? Well, it's like anything else. Are they buying what we're selling? It's as simple as that. So in whiskey, yes, but what else? I think the one thing that's came through COVID is that you, geography doesn't matter as much anymore. You can sit in Scotland and the world is your market, but you've got to have something that people want to buy and then it's got to be a tariff-free, easy in, easy out in order to ship your goods there. So you can sit in Scotland and the world is your market. I think that is brilliant. Well, I, I would look at it slightly different. I would want to find out what they need to buy and see if we can come up with those goods. <laughs> but no, the, the, I think, again, our engineering prowess or you know our technical prowess where we are Scotland's world renowned for the financial um, markets so I think that there is opportunities but we just need to understand how we could beat other countries to the punch and as to what we could supply to the states and other countries so a bit of positivity coming up next we'll be chatting to restaurant owner and chef Giovanna Eusebi don't forget you can put your questions to Tom and Willie by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk or join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey Are you a business owner paying high merchant service transaction rates? The team at Clark Epos UK Limited are here to help. We pride ourselves on offering quick, simple, affordable card payment solutions. Perfect for everyday businesses just like yours. Call now on 01698 478883 and take advantage of our exceptional prices. Faster payment solutions with Clark Epos UK Limited. 
Welcome back as we talk cooking, creativity and COVID with Giovanna Eusebi, co-owner of Eusebi Deli and Restaurant in Glasgow's West End. Don't forget, if you want some business insight or have a general business question for Tom and Willie, you can email gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk or join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. Giovanna, welcome to the show. It's lovely to be here. Thank you very much for asking me. Really nice to meet you all. And we have a guest bearing gifts or maybe bribes. Uh, I'd, well, I we need more we'll guests like Giovanna gifts. coming. <laughs> Giovanna, you're most welcome. And after looking at these lovely yeah, yeah, cakes, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. welcome every week now. Fantastic. <laughs> and that started with Lauren last week, so we'll need to make sure we're very careful in selecting our guests going yes. forward. Yes. But great to have you on. It's a year since the pandemic took hold. How would you sum up the impact on your business and what have been the greatest challenges you've faced? I think, like everyone, the, the greatest challenges have been the unknown. Um, and, you know, we're a year on from this now. Uh, we know how to deal with the pandemic now. There's been a roadmap out of recovery, thankfully, with some dates and some limitations still there too. I think what's driven us has been, you know, our business is built on generations of our family and they've worked really, really hard you know, to pass that business on to us and for us to grow it and get it where it is. And at this point, my brother and I were thinking, well, we've just paid off our debt now, you know, and we're just at a really good point. You know, we've learned it the old-fashioned way from our family, you know, and growing the business. And then suddenly, I thought the biggest challenge would be Brexit, and it wasn't, it was the pandemic. So I think the unknown and the constant having to change and pivot the business Personally, that's been, that, that has been difficult, but if anything, we've grown from it. And I really think now, it almost felt like I opened up six businesses last year. And I really think wow. I could take anything on now. So tell us a wee bit about the history of the business. Um, the shop was started in Shettleston Road by my mum and dad. And they were shopkeepers. And, and I think that's a really honourable profession. I agree, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, a nation of shopkeepers. And they, they knew the whole community in the East End. People love them and they love people. And there was often more people in the back of the shop than what there was in the front of the shop. Brilliant. And they probably gave away more than what they sold half the time <laughs> as well. You know, so that was where that business, it started off not just in what they made, but also in how they made people feel, because that was really, really important. And then my brother and I grew the business. It was a dream, like every business that starts with a dream. And our dream was to have a beautiful restaurant in Delhi with their values um, over in the West End. And it took us five years to realise that, um, getting through red tape with the council. It was a, a, a short-fitting project. There was many problems in opening up the current site where we are. Um, but we've now grown that to, to 50 staff and we've got an off-site bakery as well with four bakers in it too. Brilliant. So, it's amazing, you know, we had Eddie Hawthorne on couple of weeks ago telling us the story of Arnold Clark and a lot of things about selling cars and yourself about selling wonderful food that both of them was about people. It, is. it was a people business. That it was is. just a service that was in the middle. And we've been saying this to you, most entrepreneurs we've been talking to over the, the last few weeks now that that's the, the most vital thing about how you're dealing with people in business. The strange thing is that the, the current premises that we're in was one of Arnold Clark's showrooms. Was it really? Wow. Yeah, and my grandfather yeah. bought his first car from Arnold in that showroom. So it's really <laughs> funny how the yeah, circle fantastic. goes in life. No Seven degrees life. of separation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what do you think have been the biggest lessons that you've learned as a business owner over the years? Um, I think determination and never to give up. 
uh, never to take no for an answer. If you believe in something, go with it. Listen to people, take advice, take counsel. But I've had so many obstacles put in our way, not just this year, but in getting to where we are now with the business. So that takes a certain amount of drive and, and determination. Was it that drive and determination that saw you hit the Herald headlines? I think you were a splash that day when you took Glasgow City Council to court over lockdown restrictions. Why did you take the legal action and what did you achieve? I think for anyone in business, nobody sets out to enter into litigation. It's not the route plan, it wasn't the roadmap for us. But with the current year, sometimes the legislation that's been put in place just didn't make sense anymore. And the legislation at the time was putting a closing order on our business. They were saying we weren't a cafe, but we were a hybrid. You know, we were a restaurant with a six-foot counter, a daily counter. We had a cafe business as well. We presented all the evidence to the council. Um, Google Analytics don't lie. It was mostly a daytime business. We presented all our, our figures and all our number crunching. Um, and we stood there every day in fear of being served a prohibition order to close in this day and age. And that, on top of everything else, was, you know, it was difficult. It was a difficult decision to make. We made it half past 11 at night, my brother and I, that we served the, the council with an interim interdict. And the following afternoon, we won. You won? Case. Brilliant. Yeah. So common sense, I think, prevailed. Yeah. You know, but if something's not right... Something's not making sense. You know, you have to challenge it. Definitely. It's interesting, you talking about prohibition. You can just imagine that, guys in their back room somewhere getting cakes instead of going to you. It's a speakeasy for cakes. I just read actually in Paris, they've made, um, people made big money out of prohibition restaurants. <laughs> so the night before you get sent a, a text and a code, uh, they go in a taxi and it's like half an hour before they're told the code to get into the plate. It's all wow. deep whispers and... Yeah, I obviously missed a boat on that one. I love that so idea, that was, idea, that was a joke and it's actually really happening. <laughs> it's actually really happening. It's really happening, yeah. Sorry, can I just ask you, has the eating habits of the native of Glasgow changed over the years? Um, I think so, I mean, you know... Have you educated us? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I think, you know, there was a whole cafe scenario, you know, that whole... And you're, you're telling that to the girl whose ancestors brought cafe culture to Glasgow. You know, my grandparents brought ice cream. Yeah. Um, but I think every generation brings something else. You know, and Glasgow's so multicultural, you know. You walk down a street and there's a whole melting pot of different cuisines. And that's what makes us a brilliant city. No, for, for sure. Can I ask you about family business? Because family businesses are so important to the Scottish economy. There must be ups and there must be downs of working with your family. I mean, I, my, my dad was a shopkeeper, he was a baker. And you come that, and I I loved working with him. But none of my kids want to come into the to the business, and I'm I'm quite pleased about that. But sometimes I do I do miss the family being involved. What's the kind of ups and downs, Giovanna? Um, well, my brother and I have the business together, right? Um, and we've worked with each Who's other. Who's the boss? He is. <laughs> I say, oh, thank you. oh my goodness! <laughs> always, always, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Well, let him think that. Okay, if we were interviewing him, he would be saying you are. <laughs> um, you get great strength working with your family. And I think you can. the one thing my brother and I, for all the downs, the one thing we can be really honest with each other, you know, and you can fall out with each other, you know, fall out of over course. principle. But our common goal is the good of the business. It's not a personal fallout. It's just because maybe we just see a different route to get there. 
But one thing our parents have instilled in us is to do what you're doing, but do it better all the time. Always improve your business and don't miss opportunities. You know, my mother would always say to us, don't sleep. You know, take the opportunity, grab it while you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we, we talk a lot about when you're starting your business or um, it's a very lonely thing being an entrepreneur and starting a business, but it must give you a bit of comfort having your brother beside you so you can say, oh, what do you think about this? I mean, how does that work? Um, I, th- I think we both definitely, you know, bat off each other. I've got an older brother as well, and he's he's very good counsel too. And my mum actually is still, my mum loves business. Really? She loves business. <laughs> I mean, she if my mum was starting now, my mum would be an influencer. Really? Yeah. She, she's, I, I mean, she's in her late 70s, She's adapted to social media, Facebook. She's got an Instagram page. Right. She loves being connected to people. She asks me every day what the takings are, what we've sold. Fantastic. Are you improving? Oh, I see you've got more likes on this. Um, Asking you what's trending. What's what's (laughs) trending. Uh, At one point, I had to take her off Facebook because she had like 800 friends. I was like, Mum, what's going on here? Well, she's certainly given you inspiration and maybe guidance for the future. How do you see the future for the hospitality trade? Um, I think there's more bumps in the road to come. I think this year, if we've learned anything, we've learned how to diversify our businesses take the very best out of our businesses. Our, our bakery market has really grown now and that's something that we will grow on the side of what we're doing. Um, we're looking at the future of dining. We're thinking, you know, how do people see, what do they want to see when they come back to a restaurant now? Yeah. Think of prohibition times. We've all been walking about in our trainers and our joggies. And now, don't dust the trainers, come on. Fa- they're, they're, they're good trainers. <laughs> um, fast food, you know, eating out of, kits at home and takeaway boxes you know I think people will really embrace beautiful dining again yeah. I think that I think the tide will turn again and we really want to be in that position and during this um, time of lockdown how have you adapted can can we still buy from you yeah so we adapted very very quickly so how do we do that so I, I want to buy okay so initially we developed a website www.usabedeli.com good plug um, you could buy fresh pasta you could buy bakery products, you could buy fine wines. And we also did seasonal things as well. Valentine's, Mother's Day has been very popular as well, afternoon right. teas from the bakery. So we've constantly pivoted and grown and, and you, found new markets. Do you deliver to us, We don't deliver, but maybe okay. we could. Well, no, I'll send somebody okay. up for it, it's OK. You'll have a driver, won't you, Tom? Phone delivery. And we've also embraced um, delivery partners for the first time as well, because really? we're not a fast food business, so it's not something I would normally have thought of doing. You know, but we found a way to to serve good food to a fast market. Wow. And is it something that you would like to continue to do even when you get back up? Open yeah, I think so. I mean, how can you close a door to a market that's been yeah. open to you? Yeah. You have to find a way to grow that market and nurture that market now. You know, we found many new routes to our customers and found new demographics. Right. Because we realised the first customers to come back would be a younger demographic because they would feel safer. So through social channels, and we've, we've, we've learned to target that audience and find a different offering as well. So true entrepreneurial, through necessity, you've found a way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely never, brilliant. Never be defeated, never give in. Yeah. So what support do you need to take advantage of those opportunities post-COVID? I think that post-COVID, for restaurants especially, our dining is you know going to go outdoors. I am very much in tune that we're given this public space, we have to respect it and make it work with the environment. 
I definitely want to create a space that's sustainable, that has some urban growing in it. I think that's very important. I think we've seen localised economies grow as well, neighbourhood economies grow too. I heard you talking about the city centre really earlier on, um, and, and I'm very passionate about that as well, although we don't, we're not in the city centre, but I love my city and Glasgow's on its knees right now. It's, it's dirty, it needs a new kick, it needs a new vibe, it needs exciting retail again. We need to sort of attract big names, big thinking to yeah, get people back into the city centre again. Yeah. But for us in a neighbourhood, you know, we've lost the university, we've lost that footfall, it's not going to come back for a while. It's almost like reopening a new restaurant again. A new business. A new business. And that's actually really exciting. All right, We've good. taken on a new good. premises across the street. We're looking at moving the deli bakery in there All right. and growing that part of our business and changing the dynamic of our restaurant a bit as well and adding in some cooler cooking um, and new menus to Brilliant. make it exciting for people to come back. Yeah, it's great. And for the listeners, you know, look, one week we've got big business, now we've got a local business, we've got an iconic local business that people know about, but I bet you most people listening today will not have any idea of the amount of people that you employ that you've just told them today, yeah. which is fantastic, and you're, you're hoping to grow that. Absolutely. So, yeah, and this is what it's all about, and, and as Tom said, family business and, and, and the SME community is the heart of the, you know, it's the financial spine of the whole country, so that's why hopefully through the programme we can encourage you know, people listening out there have got small businesses you know you can get in touch with us and we can give you a plug and we can help you grow that business we'll be absolutely delighted thank you obviously we'll all be along to your deli as soon as lockdown eases but I've got to end by asking you what three restaurants are you most looking forward to dining in apart from your own when lockdown restrictions ease um, definitely Andrew Fairley's I was 50 last year so we're due to go there never yeah and just, um, it's a good face cream it's that, it's that Mediterranean diet you, you see better it's give, it, give it to me Willie <laughs> she's a little older than him so definitely want to, to go to go there uh, and also Lorna at Kilbrook who got a Michelin star Amazing. female chef right. what, a, what an achievement for the city I've not been and I'm definitely going probably won't be able right. to get in there'll be a huge waiting list and I think the other thing, perhaps not a restaurant, but just to have my own family all together around a table <laughs> is something I have wow. really, really missed. And I think restaurants will play a really important part in the mental recovery of the country as well, in bringing people back to tables. Something so simple is so important for our communities, yep. you know. Giovanna, can I ask you a question? I've been trying to get this answer for 20 years. <laughs> the first times when I, when I went to Rome and Milan, mostly with a football I was amazed that I could never find a fish and chip shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could be the first to open that fish and chip shop. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> a nice business idea to, to end that section on. Thank you, Giovanna. Coming up next is The Board You Can't Afford with Hunter and Hockey. If you're looking for some business insight or have a general business question for Tom and Willie, you can email Go business at thisisgo.co.uk or join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. The board you couldn't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Welcome back as we go into the boardroom with Hunter and Hockey and answer your calls with business advice, insight and inspiration. It's the board you can't afford. 
Don't forget, if you have questions you want read out in the show or wish to speak directly to Tom and Willie, you can email gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk. And you can join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. So, gentlemen, we've just been scoffing a fine cake there oh, from Eusebius uh, uh, in the wee ad break. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. So it leads me nicely into a question for you. As lockdown restrictions ease, how do we get that work-life balance right? And how do we motivate our staff? Because we're all feeling quite motivated right now. Yeah, oh. well, um, this will be the kind of one-year anniversary since I shut the office. And if you'd asked me at the beginning of all this, Willie, um, could we survive by not being in the office for a year, I would have said no. You know, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I've been used to getting into the office and working, and, and that was just my life. But there you go. We're all adaptable, and we haven't missed a trick in our office West Coast Capital and the Hunter Foundation. And if anything, I think we've been more productive. I've actually kicked off something with my team which says, right, how do you want to work when we're allowed to go back to the office? Because it isn't going to be Monday to Friday again, Wally. But I've asked them, what do they want? So we're waiting on the feedback there, Donald. We'll be advised and we will be driven by our team listening to what they want. I hadn't actually thought about what I was going to do, but the inspiration I've just had from Giovanni's cakes, I know what I'm going to do now. First, I'm going to order about 300 cakes for Eusebius. <laughs> oh, that was sensational. Oh, man. Um, but I, I would say that I think something that's really important when we get people back to work is to see how they're all doing and, yes. and get a wee consensus. You know, just to see if anybody needs help or whatever and how they've coped with it, I think that that bit of work would, would be invaluable and then, you know, um, act accordingly. It's funny that Tom's right, things will not be the same. You know, we've got 900 people in my headquarters around the corner. I think that probably the best that we're going to get to in the next year or so will be two weeks on, two weeks off. Um, a lot of people want to work from home. It's interesting in the surveys that we've done so far, it's actually the younger people who want to come back to work. It's the social side of the interaction at work. But I think um, it is important that we've got a wee bit of understanding of what it's meant to the people so we can uh, adjust accordingly to help them. Google's got a slide in their London HQ. BBC has their wee pods for reflection. Even the Herald has free fitness sessions and wow. yoga for staff now. Uh, I've been once, as you can tell. <laughs> How do we make workplaces fun for a generation that really now demands it. Yeah, so I think this is um, this horses for courses. It's as simple as that. Um, they, they, there are the more creative businesses, which are younger demographic, so they'll want something different to an office like mine, which is older, more professional, um, etc. So I think it's all about listening to your team and then saying, okay, um, but from our point of view, um, we are really thinking we've got quite a lot of um, women in our team and they've really enjoyed the fact of getting on the, the, the school runs and having the flexibility, etc. So we will, we will incorporate all of that. But whatever your business is, you've got to always be listening to your team, taking the feedback and trying to do the best you can. How do you balance being creative and providing fun in a right bubbling environment with your kind of mantra that you need to work really hard to be successful? 
I think to get the best out of people, you have to keep your ear close to the ground and always make sure that they're not under too much pressure. Uh, and then that's how you keep a smile on people's faces. And, and we try and do that every single day. You'll not get the best out of people if they're under pressure. No chance. No one, no one thrives under pressure. I don't believe in that at all. So for me, when, when we do get everybody back, is to get a, you know find out how they are, the well-being, and then you know, as I said, you know, make changes accordingly. But I, I think it's really, really important because I think Tom said it last week. Things will never be the same. Things are going to change, and I think the workplace is going to change. And I think that what this is. Demonstrate is more than anything as we need to care a wee bit more about the people who offer us. Excellent. Well, we're now going to go to our phone lines. And first up, we've got the fantastic Edward Reed, who's an entertainer, go radio presenter, and a mindfulness coach. And, you know, I think his question is along the lines of how do you create the right staff environment? Great. Welcome to the show, Edward. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, delighted to have you on this morning. So you've got a, a question for Tom and Willie and it's about the welfare of staff, so fire away. Well, first of all, can I just say that I'm loving the show, I think it's dead funny and I think it's I'm inspired every week and I feel informed. Uh, so I think it's business, he's a making business accessible to wee numpties like me, so thank you very much for that. <laughs> Thanks for uh, that, Edward. Wee numpties. Uh, it's great, I do, I do, I do, I get inspired every week, in fact I'm happy through watching the Elon Musk, I thought Elon Musk was a type of Lynx Aftershave, Lynx Jordan, <laughs> but it's not, it's a, it's a guy. Lynx so anyway, Africa. Um, so, Matt, I want to know, first of all, because he's a Amazing, right? But um, what do you do to ground yourself? Um, what do you do to keep creative and keep motivated and keep inspired? Right, that's my first question, right? And then my okay. second question is, do you think it's the employer's responsibility to help staff uh, motivated and inspired, or do you think it's the staff's responsibility for yourself? Great questions, Ed. That's perfect. Tom? Hi, Edward. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm great. It's very nice to hear your dulcet tones. Oh, thank you. So I'm, I'm sometimes worried I sound like a woman on the phone, so I'm going to boot you up a bit. I've got it all right, Tom. No, <laughs> So I'm going to take the first one. How, how do you keep grounded? Well... You know how I keep grounded. You've 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 met my wife, Marion. Uh-huh. Um, Marion's for a council house in Stevenson, uh-huh. and um, whenever I'm getting too big for my boots, which can be sometimes, uh-huh. she soon cuts cuts the feet from me and tells me exactly the way it is. One of the benefits of lockdown, Edward, has actually been that we now start our day with a walk with the dog, Frank the dog. <laughs> And I, I I chat things through with um, Mary, and I'll say she'll say, well, what's what's happened today, and and she's just get common sense, Edward. You know, yes. The thing about common sense is there's not a lot of it about. <laughs> she, I always feel after I've spoke to Mary, right? Well, that that was pretty obvious, wasn't it? But I hadn't thought of it. So I think. Um, Marrying certainly keeps me grounded, that's for sure. Willie? Yeah, Edward, it's Willie here. How are you? Hiya, I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, I would just say that I agree with Tom, obviously, you know, that Susan will keep me grounded. But I think that yeah. what happens is that you, you kind of take your victories and defeat in your stride and you don't get too up or too down. And I think that we do have a duty to, to help our staff keep grounded and to help them and encourage them. 
obviously the the kind of stars among the, the you know the star the guys are going to become your senior management team they've got that bit in them anyway Aye. they don't need too much guidance they don't need too much help but I I think that t- to answer your question we should definitely should care about our staff's well-being and if there's anything that we can do to help that and we're you know mentioning earlier that I think that after COVID and the things that people have been through I think we're going to have to look at our staff even closer and just to see if there's anything that we can do so mm-hmm. you know like life coaches the sort of things that you're doing mm-hmm. guys that are mentoring talking people up all of that stuff I think will become uh, more prevalent and it will be required going forward but uh, it's interesting can I just tell you Tom just mentioned that walking his dog and I know you listen to the show every week a guy phoned me Tom after the show last Sunday and he says would you tell Tom Hunter he owes me 1200 quid <laughs> And I says, what for? He says, well, I was out a walk with a dog and I was listening to your show on the podcast and Tom said something and I didn't pick it up right. So I stopped and I rewound it to listen and my dog ran away. <laughs> it cost me 1200 quid. So tell Tom it cost me 1200 quid. So, oh, so I, thought, I thought Tom gave me a link into that, Edward, but I would, I would just say to you that see the stuff you're doing, the new stuff you're doing, and you've been entrepreneurial as well. You know, you've, you've worked hard all your life doing what you're doing in the entertainment industry. Uh-huh. Now you're looking at new avenues of how you could yeah. create a business, and, and I wish you all the best in it. Oh, thank you. Edward, I can't wait to have a Eusebi cake, a wee glass of wine, and you entertaining us. I think I think that's my yep. lockdown. That's that's what's keeping me going, Edward. Yeah. And you know, Edward, well, you, you know now, Edward, this is Glasgow. Everybody's listening. All your friends are listening. Aye. You know from now on, your new stage name will be The Wee Numpty. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been that for a while. So listen, I want to go, that since using my new guilty pleasure, right, in a, in a Sunday morning... I'm going to dedicate songs to you next week. So what's your <laughs> guilty pleasure song? And I'll play it. So when you're having your, your savings cake and your wine on a Saturday night, I'll give you a shout-out, right? Right. So, play a song. so mine is Luther Vandross, Never Too Much. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty pleasure song. Well, he's hail hail. <laughs> no. Can, can, you you know mine. Candy Stanton, Young Hearts Run Free. Yes, I thought you were going to say that. That right, Donald, what's yours? Jenny told me yours was, was I'm in the mood for dancing on a Saturday night. Are you back in the Is that true? <laughs> uh, not quite, but I'll go for Shady and No Ordinary Love. Oh, oh big romantic, yes. big romantic. Well, it's a pleasure hearing you, Edward, yeah. and, and best of luck in all your new endeavours. And I really look forward Thank to. You. Seeing you when we can. And we're all loving the radio programme you're on. Brilliant. Keep yep. it up. Good luck. Oh, thank you. Thanks Cheers. very much. Right, have a great day. Have a great show. Cheers. Bye. 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 Take care. Bye. Bye, Edward. Our next caller is Ian McIntosh, Director of Soul Media Business Services. Welcome to the show, Ian. Hi there. Hi, how you doing? You've got a question for Tom and Willie. I do, thanks. Um, if I may, I'd like to ask the board a question uh, that I think might be useful to a number of the new startups and some of the younger SMEs. Willie and Tom have discussed that cash flow is so important to these new startups. And my question would be, what advice would you give to these small and medium enterprises that are starting out and facing the dilemma of wanting to accept work from larger businesses, maybe for the first time, but are being told that payment terms will be 60 or even 90 days? Hi, Ian. Morning. Hi, good morning, Willie. My, my straight answer to that is don't deal with them. You can't afford it. It's as simple as that. You know, if you're getting if you're getting payment terms that are going to give you a cash flow problem, you will not be in business long. It's a shame, and I'd and I'd say to you, somebody asked me a few weeks ago if I had a magic wand, 
and I could bring one rule in through the government that people would adhere to, I would make it absolutely stringent that no one could break 30 days terms. Right. And it's a shame. I know that there's been legislation in the past that's supposed to protect you from that. None of it has worked. And it's a real shame because it's mostly big businesses that are doing it to small businesses. And I think it should be the same across the board for everyone. Everyone should be in, in on 30 days. When I worked in the Middle East 30 years ago, you got a thing called a CPO, a cash purchase order for doing a job. And if the people had not paid you within 28 days of your, you could go to the police with your invoice and they would march around to the office and get you paid. So I, I think that it would, <laughs> it would be easy if we all accepted the same terms and conditions for payment. And Tom will tell you, it's a real shame that something like 30% of SMEs that go bust, go bust because of cash flow. That, that's a crime. Yeah, I mean, Ian... It's Tom here. The Hi, Tom. Cash is king, and you know that, running your business. And um, as Willie said, businesses in the early days don't go bust because their idea's wrong or whatever. They go bust because they run out of money. And it's incredible that big businesses want you as a small business to finance their business. It's a crime. What I would try and do is I would appeal to their better nature. If you've got a deal with a big company and just say, look, I'm a, I'm a small business, I can't afford to give you this credit. If you can pay me cash up front or 15 days, I'll give you the best service, but I really need the money. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I kind of agree with Willie, you cannot be financing big business. Tell us a wee bit about your business, Ian. Yeah, so um, well, I'm a director of Soul Media Business Services, which has been running for, for quite some time. Um and actually, we, we did work for uh, various members of uh, Willie's senior management team for seven years through uh, 2011, 2018. Did, did we pay you in time? <laughs> did we pay you in time? Uh, well, well I, I was going to say, actually, you know, on the basis of what you said, you know, it was seven years that, that we did that work. And, and I don't think once we waited 30 days for payment, I think we were always Brilliant. paid. And actually... Um, Tom, my, uh, during uh, lockdown, I started a, a new business with uh, a couple of new partners called MC Digital Print, and we've actually done some signage for yourself down in Dundonald. Oh, really? Um, Did we pay and, you? Uh, yeah, I will again. Very fast payment. Oh, so great. Uh, wow, Willie, this is this is. I was sweating. I was sweating as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were phoning up because of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. No, no. Um, but no, I, I think the only other thing. Uh, I would, I, I totally agree with you. Um, haven't been in business a long time, but the, yeah, I was just thinking that for some new startups and for some SMEs, they might be nervous to broach it with a bigger company because they might see it as an opportunity to to go up the ladder a wee bit. And uh, you know, it's good for their CV dealing with some of these bigger companies. But yeah. I understand that waiting up to ninety days could uh, you know really be a problem for them. But uh, I, I've got to say, the only thing I would say on it is that in all my time you know if, if we find that the time exposure or the financial exposure to us up front is a problem we, we would always we would always try and negotiate something to negate a bit of that so no I'm in, I'm in full agreement with you I mean Willie what about um, factoring so if if you've got a deal with a big company but they're not going to pay you can you get factoring so that they pay you straight away and yeah, you can. You can get factoring, but the problem with factoring is is that if you're dealing with big companies, and you tell you this, they've generally fought with you tooth and nail to, get, to work on a low margin. 
Right. And then if you have to give up, you know, if you're working on a small margin, 5%, 6%, factoring generally is going to cost you 0.7 or 0.8% of that. It eats, it eats into your margin. But right. what I would say is, if it was a substantial contract, then it's certainly worth looking at worth margin. Looking at. And, I, and I need to tell you this, Tom, I have been astounded at the size of some companies that would have so much money in the bank uh -huh. that actually encourage some of the supply chain that's dealing into them to factor. Really? That you wouldn't believe it. Companies that had billions in the bank. I, I know the supermarkets are bad for Asking, well, no, I, I've got to, <laughs> I need to say this. I, I have to say this, and, and, and I didn't want to say it because it kind of sounds as if you're, you know, you're smarter than the average bear. What's happened? Asda, actually, with the way that they paid us for 21 years, has actually made us what we are today. Fantastic. I took on the cleaning contract for Asda, which was worth £5 million a month. Uh -huh. Right, £60 million a year. And back in the day, Asda asked us to take on the cleaning contract and I said to the boss in Asda, we could not cash flow this, and you'll not believe us, for 14 years, they paid us up front wow. before we had to pay people. It was the only way we could do the contract. So I would have to say, in my experience, in most of the people that we've been dealing with, that cash flow has not been a problem. Great, yep. great questions. Uh, Ian, are you happy with the advice you've got? Yeah, excellent. All, all very good. Thank you very much. Ian, right. thanks for calling in. Good luck with the business. All the best. Thank Ian. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Some entertaining calls this morning. For all the details you need about today's show and information on how you can get involved and connect, visit thisisgo.co.uk. And don't forget, you can put your questions to Tom and Willie by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk and join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Listen anytime, anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts. With Clark Epos UK Limited. Faster payment solutions for everyday businesses. Fed up paying increasingly high gas and electricity bills for your business? The team at Clark Epos UK Limited are here to help. We scour the market to find you the best deals possible. Just send us your latest bills and leave the rest to us. Our customers are hardworking every day businesses just like yours. Clark Epos UK Limited. Call today on 01698 478 883 and start saving right now.